let me uh, just get my next guest right on here. He is trying to think of the right word. Let's just put it. He is the star of the fifth quarter. Every time there is a Hamilton Ticats football game, he is the star of the post-game show, the greatest show in the universe when it comes to post-game football discussion. That would be Rick Zamperin of 900CHML. Richard, thanks for a Ricky. Sorry, I do it every time. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. And I thought the introduction was going to be the hottest young coach of the under-12 Hamilton Mountain Soccer Club, but I will take what you mentioned. Has there been a victory? Uh, there has been two victories in a row, in fact, yes. Wow. Yes, wow. By, by scores of 4-2 and uh, last night 3-2 as we took down the only undefeated team in the under-12 division. Uh, we are now 2-4 and four on the season. Look out, under-12. Should there be some kind of investigation? Have you paid off referees? Have you call, paid the other teams to take a dive? What's going on? No, but I am surprised that no one is driving around with a uh, number seven team orange flag. Hugging their, their horn. <laughs> I, I believe they'll, they'll be outside your corner store near you pretty soon. <laughs> Hulking the horn, just driving around. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye for that. If, they, if that yeah. happens, we'll know they're not actually just um, mentally disturbed or drunk. They actually are a family member for Rick's uh, son's soccer or, team. Or me, myself, yes. Or, or, yeah, that's right. Well, even better, do it. I mean, why not? Start, start the experience. Excitement. Start the wave. Um, hey, let's uh, let's get right into this. What were your thoughts on last week's game? Well, you know what? I um, I was a little disappointed in what Toronto had to offer. And I'm talking about the Argos, not the city itself. I thought the stadium looked great. The atmosphere looked phenomenal. Uh, I thought uh, the boatman came out um, flatter than a hardwood floor. And I thought the Argos, or pardon me, the Ticats, uh, played a heck of a ball game. I mean, the, the, that, is, that is the first time. It's a crazy stat. The first time since 2004 that yeah. the Tiger Cats have won a season opening game. And they did it in style. Jeremiah Masoli looked great. Simone Lawrence was a man, one-man wrecking crew in the first half. Uh, their defense played awesome. Their special teams was really good. Brett Maher was fantastic. And uh, the offense really did not miss a beat from uh, what we saw to Zach Caleros and company uh, last year. Let's just go back for one second to that stat you just said, because it truly sure. is a staggering statistic. Since 2004, that was the last time, it was 11 in a row after that, that they lost their season opener. I mean, somewhere in there, you figure... We're going to get lucky. There's going to be a bounce that's going to go our way. The other team is going to have an injury to a key player, something. To lose 11 opening games in a row seems almost impossible. Yeah, and you consider that, you know, 2004, and this is how long ago uh, it was, you know, that was the first year of the Greg Marshall coaching era in Hamilton, which lasted two and a half years, basically. Um, We went through the Charlie Taffiers, you know, Ron Lancaster took over from, from Greg Marshall briefly. Marcel Belfay was in there. Ken Austin, uh, obviously, in his first couple of seasons, did not win a season opening game. Not until last week that the Spikehead team finally uh, start the season 1-0. and It's just remarkable. I can't remember who the player was, but I, I actually distinctly remember that game in 2004. It was Greg Marshall's first game, and on about the second play of the game, Danny McManus threw like a 75-yard touchdown pass down the near sideline to somebody, and it was like, what? what what's going on? The Ticats look good. And, it, you know, of course, they had been quite poor up until that point, and it was... Uh, well, yeah, they were, they were, they were 1-17 the year before. Yeah, I say quite poor. <laughs> I would say very, extremely poor. <laughs> all right, well, I was trying to be somewhat kind, but yes, I, I think 1-17, in 17, we could probably come up with all kinds of words that would fit into that. Yeah. Um, nauseating might be one of them. So, so again, how much, what percentage, if you want to break it down, what percentage do you make of last week's opener 
was the Ticats being as good as they were, and what percentage do you think was the Argos just really looking, I agree with you, looking awful? Well, I would go 80-20. I'm going to give the, you know, I always give the winning team, you know, a lot more credit than, than a team that doesn't show up because I think, you know, the Ticats went in there. They were the aggressors. They came out firing on offense. Uh, they had a you know a great opening drive. Uh, you know Mike Daly had a great special teams play in which uh, you know they pinned uh, the Argos deep in their own end. They had to concede a safety and the ball just kept rolling. And Masoli with a couple of quick touchdown tosses. Uh, you know one to fan twos had one called back uh, to Luke Castro, but just kept on going. And they put the you know the pedal to the metal. And Toronto really starting flat and really for for two touchdown tosses by Ricky Ray in, in the third quarter really did nothing else. But I'm going to give a little bit more credit to the Ticats on defense, putting the pressure on offense, being wonderful again on special teams. Uh, I'll give them more credit than, uh, you know, basing uh, Toronto's loss on how Toronto played, even though they really stunk up the joint, too. Well, and it could have actually been worse, because you talk about the two touchdowns yeah. in the second half. The Ticats had a touchdown called back in the first quarter, early in the first quarter on a penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could have been an even bigger spread, an even bigger blowout. No doubt about it. I mean, Toronto's first touchdown was the product of a pass interference call on on uh, the goal line, and their very next touchdown, which came really seconds later, because on the ensuing kickoff, Brandon Banks uh, fumbled the football. Toronto took over on the ten and, and scored right after that. So really, you know, there's 14 points right there that you could take off the board and then add seven more for the Ticats on that callback touchdown. It could have been, you know, 49 to six ball game really. Uh, and Luke, by the way, uh, has just found out the information that I could not recall. It was Danny McManus to DJ Flick on that first touchdown oh, pass of the nice. 2004 season, 70-something yards. So DJ Flick, a name from the past for those who can remember that one. So what, uh, Yeah, well, uh, good question. We'll, we'll have to try and track down. Luke, now you can find what DJ Flick is doing. That'll keep him busy for the next 20 minutes. Um, so what is the response when you do this? You, you open the lines on the fifth quarter after that game, after that performance. What do you hear? Well, we heard all sorts of things. Uh, one, not, not too surprising, uh, and it was the fact that the Ticats did not run the ball when they were up, uh, you know, 28-6 to six or whatever the score was at that point, uh, you know, just following the game and, you know, interacting with uh, listeners throughout the game, uh, most likely on Twitter or, you know, some Facebook comments here and there. But most of them are saying, why aren't we running the ball? And that came out a little bit in the fifth quarter as well. But for the most part, they were really, um, uh, you know, uh, happy for Jeremiah Masoli because I think the expectations going in were one of, you know, we really don't want, know what we're going to get. Are we going to get the guy who played wonderfully against Ottawa in the East Final last year? Are we going to get the guy who was very inconsistent and could not, you know, grab that starting job when Zach Caleros initially went down, you know, two seasons ago and he suffered that concussion from Odell Willis in Edmonton? Um, so I think a lot of questions were answered uh, by Jeremiah Masoli, and I think the fans kind of fed off that. The other thing that they were really excited about was the play of Simone Lawrence, who was named the CFL sure. top performer this week, and they were just eating that up because here in Hamilton we love our hard-nosed, hard-hitting defense, and I think they just fed off that as well. You mentioned Jeremiah Masoli, and you also threw the word consistent or inconsistent. I'm not sure. I can't remember what you said exactly, but it was something to do with that word. And I, I think that's really... An interesting question now, because the the knock on him has always been the inconsistency. He's shown that he can be great, but he's also shown that he cannot always be great. So you see what he does in week one, and based on history of inconsistency, are you then looking at this saying, oh man, I'm a little worried about tomorrow night because, you know what, if the historic inconsistency appears, he could be 
giving us a stinker tomorrow, or are you looking going, you know what, based on the playoffs last year and based on how he did in Game 1, I'm very confident he's actually turned a corner. Well, I think the inconsistency um, is always going to be kind of in the back of my mind, at least, until I see him perform at uh, you know an above average to elite level for you know a five, six, or eight game stretch. You know, at least give me half the season to see uh, him perform. Uh, basically, maybe not exactly as he did last week because that was a pretty phenomenal game. But you know, give me 250 yards through the air, a couple of touchdowns, no turnovers, and I think I'd be satisfied with that performance week in and week out. The problem or the issue or the difference between an average quarterback to an above-average quarterback to an elite quarterback is are you consistent from week to week? Because, you know, a head coach is really going to appreciate what you bring to the table if that is, uh, you know, uh, whatever statistics you want to throw out there to make your team successful. Is is this guy who is under center week in and week out going to give us a good shot to win the football game? And right now I think you can say that Jeremiah Masoli, the way he's been playing over the last – two and a half, three games, really, when you go back to last season, is, yeah, he kind of fits that category. He's not turning the ball over. He's making good decisions, making great throws. Uh, is accurate with the football. Uh, his progression is, you know, bang on. He's finding the open receiver. He's trusting in the guys. He has certainly gelled with the receiving core, and the offensive line had a great game as well. We shouldn't leave those guys out. But I think not having Zach Teleros at training camp, at least on the field, knowing that he's going to be the guy, at least for the first, who knows, maybe two, three months, the pressure's, I think, a little bit off. He's not really, as of right now, looking over his shoulder to say, man, if I goof up, I'm going to be given the hook. Um, he might be thinking that with Jeff Matthews, but I think he'd more so think that if Zach Caleros was either A, healthy or really close to getting healthy. So I think we can at least shuffle down the inconsistency factor a little down the list of our concerns because we've seen at least two out of the last three games he's been pretty darn good. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say I'm pretty confident that we're going to get a more consistent effort positively uh, from Jeremiah Masoli. All right, so BC is coming in tomorrow night to play. They actually looked pretty good against Calgary, who's always strong. Last week they won the game. But I find this interesting. It's an ironic little, maybe a coincidence, maybe not. The BC Lions have three punts blocked last week. The Ticats, the day before BC comes in with a special teams nightmare, extends their special teams coach, Jeff Reinbold, to a new contract. Coincidence or not? Uh, and didn't the Ticats have a block punt last week as well? <laughs> yes, they did. No, yeah, th- this, this looks block. like this. I mean, I, I don't expect BC to get three punts blocked again, yeah, but boy, yeah. this looks like an area the Ticats could exploit. No doubt about it. I think, number one, that, that's not going to happen every week. It may not even happen for the rest of the season for the BC Lions. You know, that, that was a pretty strange statistic. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind Jeff Reinbold and the special teams crew and all the players on that unit have looked at that tape to say, what can we exploit? Uh, who messed up? Uh, how can we capitalize on what appears to be, at least in the first half of last week's game for BC and Calgary, a big-time deficiency of the Lions? Now, I think BC did a better job in the second half of correcting what they were not doing in the first half. Um, I don't think it's at all a coincidence that Jeff Reinbold has signed his extension through 2014 or 2017. I think he thoroughly deserves it. His special teams unit, I'm not just talking about Brandon Banks, I'm talking about punters, kickers, and blockers, and special teams tacklers, the gunners. They have been absolutely shut down. There have been no special teams touchdowns against the Ticats in the Jeff Reinbold era. And very creative. Uh, And very creative, yes. You know, onside kicks, uh, you know, um, returns uh, for touchdowns on missed field goals, uh, you know, different formations. Uh, He does it all, and he gets his guys to execute. And as 
you know, an assistant or a coordinator, if you can get your team uh, or your unit to produce week in and week out, um, you know, you're winning one-third of that football game. You only have one more turn to go, and you're almost guaranteed a victory. So, you know, thumbs up all around to Jeff Reinbold and his crew. Okay, so BC, uh, again, BC's coming in tomorrow. Their quarterback last week, Jonathan Jennings, looked pretty mediocre. Uh, their running game, however, looked pretty darn good. How does that play to Hamilton's strength or weakness? Is that something? Is that a good matchup for Hamilton to face a good running team, or is this a team that is going to struggle against the run? No, I think I think the Hamilton's defense is a stout run-stopping D, and especially... Now that we know that Ted Laurent is going to play tomorrow night, he did miss the season opener uh, with an undisclosed injury. I think having you know Big Ted in the middle is a huge addition to the defense. You know he's the most sought after free agent in the off season, uh, and I just think makes that already pretty good defensive line with Adrian Tracy and John Chick, who had a heck of a ball game last week, that much better. You have the tackling machine and Simone Lawrence. Uh, you know, Rico Murray is, you know, uh, going to be uh, a shutdown guy in terms of stopping, you know, uh, a slot back who's running, uh, you know, over the middle, trying to create some havoc, trying to create some, you know, pick plays. Uh, I think the secondary had a pretty good ball game last week as well. And I think what Orlando Steinauer does with his blitz packages um, and with his aggressiveness on defense, uh, I'm not going to say BC is going to have a tough time running the game, but I don't think they're going to see the same production against this Hamilton Tigers team. Hamilton did not win a season opener in 11 years. The flip side of that is Hamilton has not lost a home opener in the Kent Austin era. Mm-hmm. Does that continue tomorrow? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, this, this Ticats team is still a pretty dominant unit, um, you know, even without Zach Caleros and a lot of guys, um, you know, uh, missing or absent from you know, last year's defense, either departed or injured or whatnot. Um, th- this team is a different type of team, especially at home, season opening game or not. They thrive on the closeness of Tim Hortons Field, the rabid fan base that's here, knowing that, you know, it's important to win your home games. You want to, you want to perform in front of your home fans, but you want to protect your home turf. There's a lot of pride in that in the game of football. You don't want an opposition or an, or an opposing team to come in and beat you on your home soil. So I think that continues. Uh, I know that the Ticats down the stretch last year, you know, obviously did not continue their home winning streak uh, that, that started at Tim Hortons Field, but still a very dominant team at home. Probably the closest, I would say, to, you know, a major U.S. Uh, college or university that always wins its, its home games. The Ticats are that type of team. It's really, really hard to win um, in, in Hamilton. And, you know, you could say that for Montreal in years gone by in the Anthony Calvillo era. I mean, that, that was just a dead zone for opposing teams. Montreal was always eight and zero or seven and one at home. It was just a foregone conclusion, and that's the type of team that this Ticats unit has. Tomorrow evening, Hamilton Ticats versus BC Lions home opener. If you are watching at home on TV when the game ends, tune it here to nine hundred CHML. Rick will be chatting about the Ticats and what they do here on the fifth quarter. If you are at the park. As you're leaving the park, get to your car, turn on 900CHML, same thing. You can uh, join in the conversation. You don't want to miss it. Rick does a great show. And uh, what else can I say, Rick? What I mean, you gave me a lot of money to pump this up, so what else can I say to do it? <laughs> it is. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It is It is the best post-game show you're going to find anywhere. Tune in tomorrow night when the game ends, whatever time that is. Here at CHML, Rick will be on the air. And uh, listen, enjoy it, Rick. Hope they uh, Hope they give you more happiness to talk about. It should be a lot of fun. I always like interacting with the fans. They always have some interesting perspectives on certain plays or, or video reviews or player performances. And we always name a player of the game, and uh, we award a fifth-quarter fan of the night. So, yeah, tune in. Uh, we'll have some fun. 
I think you should actually get a beer company to sponsor that you can have a little jingle when someone calls in who's had a few too many. <laughs> have a little, like a can over the... That, that you know this this brought to you this call brought to you by so and so and you you know exactly what I'm talking about they all know yeah we'll have to get one of the local uh, maybe microbreweries on just to you know spread the love locally here. that would be awesome Rick thanks for doing this we'll listen all to right, you tomorrow.